our staff and our executive director. Our first uh, item of business is approval of the minutes for June 13th, 2023. Oh, no, I guess it's roll call. Yes, thank yes, you, sir. Joyce. <laughs> Commissioner Moulton Peters. Sure. Commissioner Rabini. Here. Commissioner Sackett. Okay. Oh, Commissioner Lucan. Here. Commissioner Rice. Here. Commissioner Hall. And Commissioner Canson. Here. Do we need Zoom instructions? If you are joining us today on Zoom and would like to participate, please use the raise hand icon located on your screen. If you are participating by landline, press star nine to raise your hand. When it is your turn to speak, your name will be called. After your name is called, you will be prompted to unmute your device. Or if you're participating by landline, you will hear that you are unmuted. That concludes the instructions and I will pass the meeting back to President Moulton Peters. Great, thank you. Now it's time for approval of the minutes of June 13th, 2023. Any corrections or changes on this? Oh, there is no report out from closed session. Thank you. Okay, I'm not seeing anyone on the dais. Anyone in the chambers who wishes to comment? I'm not seeing anyone in the chamber. Is there anyone online? Professor Peters, there are no speakers in the queue. Okay, thank you. I'll bring it back for a motion. I'll move approval of the minutes. Second. Thank you. Motion. Lucan, second. Radoni, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Passes unanimously. That brings us to Board of Commissioners matters and then the Executive Director reports. Two Board of Commissioners report outs. I'm seeing uh, Commissioner Canson. Yeah, no, go, go ahead, Commissioner Canson. You were pointing to Homer? Okay. Yeah. Commissioner Hall and then uh, Commissioner Lucan. Yeah, I just. Uh, Brief, want to be brief. I, I had an opportunity to meet with a, a member of the Committee on Aging, and they wanted to talk about the good work that's being done in Marin City. They're excited about it, and especially they wanted me to convey to Supervisor Peters that they're very happy with the work that you're doing for the Marin City. So I just wanted to put that out there. Thank you. Commissioner Lucan. I was just pointing to Commissioner Hall as well when I saw him put his hand up. So. <laughs> okay, Commissioner Hall was well recognized. Good. Uh, seeing no other commissioner reports, uh, we'll go to our executive director, Kimberly Carroll. Hi, Kimberly. Hello, good afternoon, commissioners. Um, I wanna start today's uh, um, director's report with just giving you a report out on, on our Vivalon project with the with the applicants that were pulled for that project. We, we had a little over 200 applicants apply for that project. And um, let me back up. The uh, Vivalon project is a senior property that is uh, in San Rafael, right next to the Kaiser pro property. Um, and it is on, uh, it's really moving quickly. Every time I head home to San Anselmo, I get to watch it and it's really fun to watch it really come, come, come together. Um, and we have pulled all the applicants for that property. So there were, um, there's 60 units at the property and all, all the applicants have been pulled. They have not all been notified yet. I think um, there it's in the process. Eden Housing is working with the Marin Housing staff team to complete the intake and application process and eligibility. And so they are all pulled, but not all notified yet. About 22 of the 60 have been notified and are coming in. So that's how happening is very exciting. I also wanted to let you know that the, um, 
the housing authority was able to offer a life-saving skills training to all of our housing authority staff. Um, the staff was provided hands-on only CPR, a defibrillator training and Narcan training. Uh, this was a really great uh, event and staff really appreciated it. And I think it'll be great as, as um, we work in the community, our, our maintenance staff and our landlord liaisons, we all got it, the training. And this was provided through Health and Human Services. So it was a, a great event for all of us to gather. Um, and then I also wanna take an opportunity today to introduce some Antoinette Terrell. Um, Antoinette is our new director of asset management. And Antoinette comes with to us with years of experience in property management, um, affordable housing, property management. She oversees maintenance and capital projects. She's managed various contracts and vendors throughout her all the, the complexes she's worked and over and supervised. So we're really thrilled to have her. She she's also coming to us with um, experience in repositioning public housing units in the San, in San Francisco. So um, we are thrilled. She will be overseeing um, our, our, all of our 500 units of public housing with the whole public housing team, um, Yashika and Dante. And then we also have a new property manager, Michelle, who's starting next week. So she will be overseeing that team as well as our non-public housing owned properties that are um, the quad, or we, we know them as the quad. In, um, we have one in Belvedere, one in Fairfax, one in San Anselmo, and then um, one in San Rafael. So she'll be overseeing all the owned property. So really excited to have her. As you know, we, we brought this to your board last, last month to, to create this new job. And I'm really thrilled that she, she has come and she's gonna be part of our team. So, so any brief words? I'm just happy to be here and ready to hit the ground. Yeah, yeah. Welcome while you're getting the mic on. There you go. I just said I'm happy to be here and I'm ready to hit the ground running. My first four days have been wonderful so far over at Lacey. I look forward to more. Fantastic. Well, welcome aboard. Thank I'm glad you. to have you. Her, her offices will be in Golden Gate Village and Marin City, and then she's also going to be roaming um, to the 4020 office and then some of our other properties. So we're going to be well covered, and I'm very excited for that. Yep. Okay, thank you. Um, and then I'm going to move to public housing. I had hoped that um, Royce McLemore, the president of the Golden Gate Village Resident Council, was going to give a brief update on the, the resident council. So I'm not sure if she's in well, on Zoom. When she gets okay. All right. So then at our last, wow, I, is everybody else here? Oh, good. Um, at our last board meeting um, last month, there was a question that was asked about uh, the type of tutoring services and academic programs that are happening in Marin City with the children um, of Golden Gate Village and Marin City. And so to that, I have asked Philip Logan, the community school director with the Sausalito Marin City School District, and I believe Ron, Rondell Gibson from Bridge the Gap College Prep um, to provide us a brief overview of some of the services that are being offered for the children um, in, the, in Marin City and Golden Gate Village. So, Philip, do you want to? Oh, Anne Rondell's here too. Great. Come on, you guys. Uh, good morning. Good afternoon, everybody. 
uh, I want to point out just one thing really quick. I was able to watch the tape from last time. This is a recorded uh, publication. I want to apologize for my attire today. Normally, I'm a little bit sharper than this. It felt like a, a good sunny summer afternoon. And then I looked at my schedule. I said, oh, no, I had to talk before, <laughs> before the board of soups. I said, oh, man, I'm severely underdressed. But it is what it is. We're, uh, we're happy to be here today. Uh, normally, I'm off the cuff. I don't want to miss anything, though. So I'll at least get my introductions right. Uh, again, my name is Philip Logan, and I serve as community school director for the Sausalito Marin City School District. Uh, as part of my role, I'm responsible for providing students with access to extended day activities and programming. And today I'm speaking on behalf of the summer programs uh, that students in our district, including those who live in Golden Gate Village, uh, have access to. Uh, the first one that I want to speak to is Summer Jam. Our Summer Jam program is a collective of agencies who have come together to offer their respective skill sets to the academic, social, cultural and recreational needs of our students. Uh, this program is comprised of Bridge the Gap, uh, Hannah Project Partnership, Freedom School, Play Marin, and the Marin City Community Services District. Um, and amongst a lot of the things that they do in those programs, whether it uh, be more of our cultural and um, literary focused program, which is uh, our Hannah Project Freedom School, uh, like I said, also with the partnership with Play Marin and the CSD, we also give students access to um, recreational play and social building skills. Uh, with that being said, also we have Mr. Rondell uh, Gibson here today who will speak a little bit more about the work that Bridge the Gap uh, is doing. Uh, I also wanna just uh, highlight something that we're doing this year that's just a little bit different than what we've done uh, in the past. Maybe you're familiar with those programs, but one thing that we've done uh, that's a little bit different uh, is targeted reading and math intervention uh, that we specifically carved out. And that was one of our district objectives that we wanted to see uh, to Mr. Hall's point, I was able to watch the tape. And uh, you know, we do have a lot of access to recreational play in the day. And a lot of times that's how people think of their summer, but in the Sausalito Marine City School District, there's a concerted effort to make sure that our students are also learning as well. So every student uh, was eligible for this, but we actually highlighted 60 uh, of our highest flyers uh, who were eligible for this targeted reading and math intervention. And before they were able to access any recreational play, they actually have to spend uh, the hours of 9 to 12 p.m. Um, in that targeted reading and math intervention. And then that also carries over into some of the work that we'll be doing in the school year as well uh, before our students have access to sports or anything like that. Uh, and also with the work that we're doing with Bridge the Gap, they will have to access academic programming. So just to go ahead and, and to put that on the forefront. Uh, we also have our extended school year programming, uh, which is district academic enrichment program designed for students who qualify for special education services. Uh, that's led by our school psychologist, Megan Williams. Uh, we also have our summer bridge program for students who haven't attended kindergarten uh, in between the ages of three and five uh, before they made it to kindergarten. And that's led by Ms. LaDonna Clark. And uh, we've also, in, in addition, excuse me, to our academic programming, uh, the district has also partnered with Urban Trailblazers, a uh, program to, uh, designed to get inner city youth involved in outdoor activities as well. So a, a robust, um, I think, menu of choices that we provided our young people with. Uh, the majority of the students in our district, uh, representing about 328 kids, have accessed this program uh, slightly under. But I think that when we ran our last lunch numbers, we were, amongst all of the programs we were offering, were, were somewhere right around 300. Uh, and then I, I didn't know if this was appropriate or not, but I went ahead and just put it in. I said, I would also like to note uh, that the Marin Housing Authority is an active community school provider. Uh, they routinely attend our community school provider meetings that I lead and are committed to joining our campaign around parent engagement and also our new one uh, around chronic absenteeism. 
Uh, they provide services for families in need. They provided financial support for our various campaigns, in, including our uh, community school connection. They were one of the first people to actually literally put their money where their mouth was. It was a dinner and they paid for that dinner, a hefty price for that dinner. So we thank them for that. And then they also are providing personnel for our back to school backpack drive. So I'm happy to speak on their behalf today. Thank you. Uh, great report, Philip and Rondell. Next. Uh, yes, uh, is this on? This is on, right? Uh, yes. Phil has spoken about the work that we do specifically between our K through uh, eighth grade programming. Um, there's just one addition that I'll add to that, um, not take away from anything that Phil said, but we do, or we're this year, we spend a lot of time on tra creating transition programming for our, our eighth graders. And what I mean by transition programming is to make sure that our that um, once our students get over to reach over to high school, they know, um, not just the students, but personnel knows everything about the students. The student knows everything about the staff that they're gonna be working with, that we have the relationships, passing over key information on um, you know, uh, completion of said subject assignments. Um, so we, that way we can make sure that we get them the right teachers and the right support when they get to high school. Um, and then the things that we add in addition once they're in high school um, is that we do, we're on campus uh, daily, Monday through Friday in the high schools and uh, whether primarily at TAM applies uh, we have about nine, right under 100 students. I think we're about 97 students that we're serving on, on paper. But and of course, we serve students that are not on paper as well. Uh, what we're offering those students is day uh, day support in, in the high school. So when a student is uh, has social emo emotional challenges they're dealing with, Bridge Gap is able to step in with that student and help them to uh, you know calm themselves or get the resources they need in the moment to be able to return back to class. Uh, we're working with the district to make sure that. Um, students um, are passing, not just at, you know, the passing rate, which is a D, but, you know, a C or better, because Bridge Gap wants to make sure that all students have um, all options available to them upon graduation. So whether that be a four-year university, a trade school, or they want to go take a gap year, we want to make sure that we provide all the necessary resources. Um, but Monday through Friday, we provide after-school tutoring that lasts until about 7 p.m. So as soon as students uh, finish their school day, we are on their, uh, their high school campus with uh, tutors in every subject um, on a daily basis, Monday through Thursday. So, and that Friday is also um, a, a period that allows for a lot more flexibility with our students so that they can come to see us um, after school to have a more uh, in-depth conversation one-to-one -one, or they can do small group projects. Uh, and then outside of that, we're offering students, or in addition to that, we offer students the possibility to be able to see careers. So we just took uh, a group of students to see Dobie in San Francisco to see how that may play out for them. Uh, we're noticing that when we look on paper, less than 15% of our students are actually want to engage or, or are engaging after graduation into the STEM fields, whether it be a science major or a math major, engineering, something like that, less than 15% of our students are actually going after that. So we realize that maybe it's because they don't know much about the other possibilities out there. So we've been taking students to trips. Um, we also take them to see uh, three colleges a year. That is new this year. Um, they'll be able to see three separate colleges and all three will be different, a different um, pathway. So, uh, and we also host it and we have been hosting for the past three years, summer credit recovery for students of Southern Rim, specifically the, the Tamalpais Union School District. Um, and also with that, uh, we also partner with uh, Success Network, the Marin Promise Group to make sure that students, uh, things that we aren't hearing inside the classroom that we can find out between this other group to provide the social emotional support. Uh, we're, as well as uh, we're addressing the, the chronic absences and through this group, uh, and we're noticing that uh, some of this stuff is, some of the absences is 
not uh, is, is coming from essentially not feeling like they belong on the campus from a lot of our bridge gap students. So how do we change that? And that's what we're, we've changed our programming to match. Uh, we've changed our, we've added some additional pieces to our after school programming. So beforehand we only did tutoring, which I just spoke about, but now we're offering an enrichment opportunities on a regular basis so students can um, go after those, those opportunities. We're trying to get them to start clubs on their own to, um, and bring in students. And, and we also offer in-house college uh, prep. So we have in the past have partnered with other agencies, but now we have a full robust team that can do college applications, whether it be a, a writing statement to CSU or UC, a private school, whatever. We also help with financial aid and then we provide scholarships. So just this, this past year, we provided more than $200,000 in scholarships to specifically Southern Marin students. And that is big for Bridge the Gap. In previous years, I think we were averaged about 60K. So this is a big jump this year um, as it's been a big focus of mine to make sure students um, have the finances to be able to stay in school. Because most of our students that are low income or of color are not graduating due to a lot of financial uh, challenges that they deal with. Um, and then around the clock um, counseling or a, a person they can, they can lean on like an advisor. So um, in a nutshell, that is uh, Bridge the Gap. We do partner, uh, like Phil said, with the Sussex Marin City School District, Campfire Union School District, and other uh, local entities in Southern Marin. We're really excited to be part of the team with these with these guys, these organizations, and um, really, you know, makes make some changes there in the community with the kids. And it's um, you can hear the enthusiasm. It's just always there um, with these community school meetings, and be, to be part of that is really great. So um, thank you, you guys, both of you, for all you do and for being here today. Um, and um, Mike, if you could just wait and see if there's any questions at the end, is that okay? Okay. We can wait. Or, that yes, let's just wait till the end. Um, we are also excited to announce that um, Marin Housing has just received a, a million dollar grant from State Assembly Damon Connolly's office to update the three Golden Gate Village uh, play, play areas. This is really exciting with, for the community. Uh, staff will be working closely with the Golden Gate Village Resident Council and the residents and some of the community leaders to help to, do a, to design this police play areas, these three play areas. And so with that, um, we also wanna say that we've had our first annual three-on-three -three, um, basketball tournament last month and um, on our newly surfaced courts. And if you wanna just hold for one, Let's hold for a second on that. Um, there was over 250 people who joined in this community event, including Commissioner Hall and Commissioner um, Supervisor Canson. I'm sorry, <laughs> Commissioner Hall and Commissioner Moulton Peters. Um, I wanted to take a minute to share a few highlights of this day through the video that was put together by the probation department. It was a pretty exciting day.
It, it really was a very awesome day, and we really hope it's become an annual event. Um, everybody had fun, so I, want, I really want to thank the the probation department and the district attorney's office and the, and the sheriff's department, Orlando from our community center. I mean, they just did a great job of making this a very fun event for people. And, you know, like I said, it was a great turnout of 250 people. Um, so, and then I just want to real quick update you on the Golden Gate Village revitalization. So we have established our Golden Gate Village um, development evaluation committee and the committee has met twice since June. They have done a tour of the property. We, it was led by our um, residents and a great way to get to know each other and get to see the property. They um, have met again this month and then next month they'll be meeting to review the applications that we're receiving. We did extend the deadline for the submission to August 11th. Um, and this is in recognition of the state affordable housing funding deadline that was pushed um, that really had a lot of developers focused on that funding source. And so we, we felt like by changing this would give us a better opportunity to make sure developers had the time to focus on this, um, this RFQ. Uh, we also have met with the Marin County Development Agency to discuss the ensuring compliance with the NEPA part 58 for both routine maintenance and the Section 18 disposition application to be submitted for um, by the end of the year this year. So we're hoping to do that by, by December of this year. And then we also got some information around what will be needed around CEQA. And then our development consultant team um, and staff will be publishing a monthly revitalization report that we will be getting out by the 7th of every month to to just kind of give all the updates so we can keep it really um, everyone informed who's interested in all that's happening with the revitalization. And that includes my report today. Questions? Okay. I think we had a timer. Yes. Go ahead. Um, thank you for that, for that report. And I, would, um, I heard uh, Philip mention parent engagement and at what level uh, and I think that's important because I know uh, with my daughter at St. Hillary's, they had uh, parent engagement was really important. And I say this because we talk a lot about recreation for the kids and exercising them physically. We need to focus on exercising the brain power too. And so in doing so, you know, I've noticed over a couple of meetings I went to uh, where parents where there was a complaint that there was a parent-teachers meeting and the parent didn't get, wasn't there, didn't show up, and it was kind of frustrated the teachers. So at St. Hillary's, they had a parent engagement plan, what they call In the Backpack, which engaged the parent. And in that, that process, the parent had to sign off on the homework. So that means that, yes, I know you've done your homework before you get to the basketball court to practice your crossover dribble <laughs> and your three-point shot, because that's not going to get you anywhere if you don't make it to the NBA. We have a sign in front of that school that says distinguished school. What I want to hear is about distinguished students going forward. And so I, I, I just hope that in some way we can uh, improve upon the parent engagement that we focus on that. So when there's a parent-teacher's meeting, the parent knows about this, it's just not in the backpack and the kid's carrying it around. And so 
that being said, one more item before I say that is that hopefully Bridge Gap is no longer in the building down there, but hopefully we're providing some type of access for Bridge Gap to maybe do some um, homework with the students there, providing an access to that. And also, you know, this ongoing thing with me is sometimes we have excess money like getting donations that some of that money could be put in a grant to help with the further education yeah. for programs for education in the kids. Because it's, uh, we're moving into an age of highly technology. I would like to see my people, people of color and, and all people of color be able to move forward and get out of the black white era because history has already documented that. And so we need to move forward with that. And also, I'd like to mention and thank our property manager who was there for that, that event. And uh, I appreciate her coming out for a couple of reasons because she brought my granddaughter. But <laughs> I just want to give you, acknowledge you and that you were there too. So, and uh, keep up the good work and thank you. <clears throat> Commissioner Sackett. Yeah, so Randall and, and Philip, thank you very much for your, um, all that you're doing from all that you've said, I imagine there's a much bigger team. So please relay appreciation. Um, and Randall, as far as the field trips, if I, I hope that you will bring students to the Civic Center for a field trip as well to government is another one of those things that people don't think about entering, but we would always welcome them. And also, I think all of many of us up here have connections with like the Chamber of Commerce and so forth. So if you're ever looking for other businesses within the county to um, don't hesitate to ask and be happy to make any of those co connections. Appreciate it, thank you. Yeah, and then um, Kimberly on the Vivalon, can you just, ex you said there are 200 applicants and 22 polled, and I guess I don't know what polled means in this context. My, <laughs> my HUD world. Um, yeah, so there were 200 people who applied for the property, about 200. Yes. And there's 68 units, is that right? Up there. Okay. Um, Suzanne really runs that. Hello. Yes, yeah, so we had uh, 200 people apply. And as of today, I, I um, talked to Eden. So we have 22 people that they're currently working on intake, which means it's uh, gathering all the documents and get them in approval, both with compliance and credit. They also have 36 people that they have contacted and set up interviews appointments with out of the six. Just a quick follow-up. So mm -hmm. we just general, we expect people to move in how soon? Um, or we hope they move in soon. I would say probably starting moving in September. It all depends when they get the certificate of occupancy for the building. But yes, that's what the goal is. Great. Okay, so by the end of the year, we'll see people in there. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Great. Good. Please. Um, I had a couple of questions. Um, with the Vivalon, what's the age limit for those seniors? 62 and over. For all our senior properties, right? 
all anything that's a federally federally senior property and this one because it's all project based it yes okay and then i do want to thank you gentlemen because i think you're doing a great job but i did have a couple of questions so i know when i went to school like say at tam we had jewel barrel that was there that um as Homer pointed out with the parent-teacher conferences and stuff, we had Jewel in case a parent could not make those conferences. So just to clarify, does that mean that you guys are there for those uh, type of meetings if a parent cannot make it? Uh, we're there for, for every meeting. Uh, typically, um, well, let me re rewind a bit. There are certain meetings that happen amongst personnel, like staff personnel at TAM that we're allowed to join, um, specifically ones that are more targeted towards the absentees that Phil was speaking about, um, or students that are having other extreme challenges. We are invited to those meetings, which typically parents are not, and then we go back and share information if, if it's pertinent enough with the, with the guardian um, or the parent. Now, there are parent meetings where the parents ask us to come in if it's between them and a counselor and, or a teacher and the student. Um, and there's some that we don't get included to. So to answer your question, yes, we we will step into to the meetings. Um, but if, if a parent can't make it, then we are definitely present. Okay. And then, um, so how do the residents get the information? Do you send this information home to all the residents of GGV? Like, do all the students get some kind of information in their backpack? I mean, how do they know? Do they get the information at school if they want to join your program? How does that work, especially if somebody moves in from, like, say, if they're coming in from Richmond or Oakland or San Francisco, they might not necessarily know how it goes in Marin County. So how do they get a hold of this information? Yeah, for sure. So um, that's actually one of the things that we're working on for this upcoming year is making sure that there's information that can actually live in Golden Gate Village as well. Uh, the system that we're employing right now, though, uh, we have a, a bunch of different ways that folks get information. So whether it's on the phone, uh, we also do home visits. Uh, we do send things home with students in their backpacks. And then we also have a program called Catapult uh, that simultaneously sends uh, text, emails, uploads to Twitter, uploads to Facebook. Any place that parents have their information logged, they receive it instantly. So that can go from emergency alerts that are happening at the school. It can be uh, tomorrow's pajama day. So they're consistently getting information uh, through that through that medium as well. So what I'm wondering, and this is probably uh, attached to Kimberly, uh, bear with me, is um, say for instance, we have community connectors and I think we've talked about that. We have community connectors, we have Orlando. So to me, there should be some kind of, um, I know we were talking about um, the, the resident advisory board, some kind of welcome packet for tenants, maybe um, that they get it in the office we have our new asset manager, we have our wonderful property manager, you know, some kind of welcome packet that people get so that they know, because I know I had people when I was living in the tall buildings that were trying to figure out how to get their kids into preschool and how that process worked. And unless you knew somebody, you know, and having to ask different people. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other thing I wanted to ask is how, how does the funding go when these kids are trying to get into these summer programs if they don't have the funding, you guys look for ways to provide the funding. I'm just clarifying. I know you probably covered that. Yeah, so for sure. Uh, the funding for the summer program is actually through our district. Um, so kids don't have to pay anything to come to any of these programs. Okay, yeah. that's that's awesome. Yeah, but as long as you're a resident. And in, in some cases, we um, do out-of-district transfers as well, but residents are always free. Okay, mm -hmm. that's awesome. And then if not, if not uh, a packet that goes through the office, maybe um, we have... Kahea, we have Ebony, maybe they can do like, you know, I know plastic 
little notifications on everybody's door. But I really like the work you're doing. What were you going to say? Yeah, and then um, so everything that I in inherit typically is because they've exited field school in eighth grade. Um, but we do have a number of students who seek our, our programming because of a teacher or a staff member at TAM. There are a handful that we get every semester from a person who's seen our website um, or knew a parent and who recommended our services. But typically, I would say about, I don't know this for 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure it's about 80% or higher is, be, is inherited from our younger programming, our elementary programming, our middle school programming. Um, and then we are, in high school, we don't, we don't have a limit or a cap necessarily on how many students we can serve, um, but we will once it becomes scholarship season. So we do have an eligibility requirement for our scholarships, and that is as long as students Pell eligible and from Southern Marin. Uh, those are the bare minimum. So, I appreciate that because that, that's, that's a difficult journey. And I know that there's some students that transition to high school that sometimes have a problem once they get to high school because the level of learning is different. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe there's a higher expectation at TAM than there was at their junior junior uh, high school or middle school. So I appreciate you. I do have one question for Kimberly, um, and this might be something that we're talking about later, but I know at the last meeting, and I just didn't see it on the program, um, Supervisor Rodoni asked for an org chart, and I didn't see it over here anywhere, so I'm just wondering if that's going to be part of today's uh, report. Can you vote you know, it, it, next time? Yes, we will, I will bring it to the next meeting for sure. Okay. Um, one question, but first, thank you, Kimberly. Thank you very much for um, organizing this. It was in response to our last meeting, but I just think it's so um, good for us to get a picture of the housing authority's various partners mm -hmm. um, within this community, within within the Marin City Golden Gate Village community, and then more broadly because it's not. Marin Housing Authority is not a solo um, actor. Um, we partner with lots of organizations, and I think we do it really, really well, but it's really nice to hear from those organizations that are serving and supporting the same folks that um, the Housing Authority is housing, so I just appreciate that. Um, this is a, my, my question is related to actually Sarah's question around the org chart. I really actually would love to see at some point, it doesn't have to be an org chart, but actually a sort of of the various partner agencies that we work with, um, nonprofits, um, just so we get a better feel for that. We interact with, whether it's Bridge the Gap or other organizations with other hats on and on different, uh, on different issues, but I think it's nice to have that picture of who the family is, as it were, um, mm -hmm. that's part of this picture and the work that the Housing Authority does. Okay. Right. And, and great, great work, you two, and uh, I'm sure that the, kids, they may not always say thank you, but I'm sure they appreciate the help and the families do too. And we thank you. Yeah. And then I just want to close with um, addressing Mr. Hall's point as well. Uh, Bridge the Gap, while it's not down in, um, in, in our public housing, it actually is our after school program now. So it runs from 2 to 7 p.m. So they have uh, offices on our lower campus and also our middle school campus. So they're still alive and active. Yep. Sir. Okay, I, I want to compliment you both too, and uh, my office will follow up just to learn more about both the community school and bridge the gap. I know that you moved on to campus, and that was intentional. It's the way the school district wanted it. I think it's a good thing, but I but and I also think it's great how comprehensive your offerings are. You really meet the kids and the family where they are, and that's so important. 
And I think as uh, Supervisor Rice was saying, it's a great example that Golden Gate Village is more than buildings that we're maintaining and renovating. It's all the services that we're offering and expanding those over time. So really great. Um, one question just to finish things up is, um, I, Commissioner Hall had asked if there's um, homework supervision offered at night in Golden Gate Village, or is that also found in Rondell primarily after school right away and then everybody goes home? Is that yeah, at the high school level especially, we are typically until about seven as well. Um, we kind of have a transition from six to seven. So meaning at six, students are packing up and heading out to, to go home. But for students who need to stay after, need additional services, we have an agreement with the library uh, person there at TAM. They'll, they'll, they stay till seven. And then in addition to that, we provide Zoom and online tutoring. And typically our higher achieving students are the ones that's taking advantage of the Zoom after hours. Okay, great. Well, thank you both. Very, very encouraging, enlightening. Thank you. Thank you, Kimberly. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Right. Public comment, please. On three basketball uh, event, I heard uh, probation. I heard you thanking the DA, and I heard you thanking the sheriff. And then Mary Sackett, to round it out, suggested a field trip to the Chamber of Commerce. Just like to remind uh, uh, everyone that, that probably the, the greatest benefit, the greatest economic benefit um, to the black community in the Bay Area was uh, the labor movement, the ILWU, the longshoremen. So I'd like to see, rather than a trip to the Chamber of Commerce, I'd like to see a trip down to the local 10 of the ILWU, because that's an incredibly strong union. And when, uh, when, when George Floyd was murdered, uh, it was the longshoremen who shut down 34 ports. So, I mean, look who you're partnering with. You're partnering with this ballooning probo probation department, the sheriff department that just got uh, an extra $2.86 million while you guys were all doing a tap dance with civilian oversight, by the way. The reason I'm here today is to tell people in Marin City that that civilian oversight working group specifically excluded any residents of Marin City. It specifically excluded any residents of the canal. It was insiders only, 15 insiders, people with severe conflicts of interest, including a $3.4 million two-year contract with Charlie Drezzo's Alternate Defenders, Inc. You just see this whole carceral system blowing up. And... Uh, that's where the money's going. And so, so you get like three on three basketball, you get bridge the gap and, and that's, that's great and all, but it doesn't make up for what you took out of the community. And you just gave the sheriff another $2.86 million this year. Why, when he was so naughty last year, look at what he did last year. And now he got more money. And, the, and these people had no say in it and there's no, they get no say in civilian oversight because you stocked it with your insiders. Okay, we're gonna move now to our next item. Looking to see the below market rate purchase. Um, I, I have asked Jeff Kelly, our program manager, to speak on on this um, on this PMR option. Good afternoon, commissioners. Um, my name is Jeff Kelly. I'm the home ownership program manager. 
And as always, it's an honor to be here with Kimberly and my colleagues fighting the good fight at trying to make housing more affordable in Marin. Um, so this, this action item we've seen a few times in the last year. Um, we have another unit. This one's in the Marin City area that has come up for sale. Um, previous owner has passed away. It fell to the estate. And so we're working with the um, essentially the children of the deceased owner um, to purchase the unit back and, and resell it. Um, so we are looking for um, a budget not to exceed 500000 That includes um, everything. And we've seen the unit. It's actually in really good shape. So we shouldn't need to invest much of anything into the rehab. This would cover any closing costs, escrows, escrow fees. And then um, we would resell it to another BMR homeowner to reclaim any funds that we've um, invested in it. Uh, great. Okay. So you are looking for approval to what? Um, execute the option to purchase with a budget not to exceed 500000 Great. Hey, any questions on this item? Seeing any here, any public comment in the chambers? I'm not seeing anyone, anyone online. Yes, Clayton Smith, please unmute. I had my hand up for the last um, item. And um, I, I said I had my hand up for the last item and you passed it by. I wanted to thank Homer Hall for his comments on the need to focus certainly more on the educational component of that community than on sports. Because we're living in a world where we're our kids that are here in this country are not being allowed to become, because of our education system, competitive with the children, particularly coming out of Asia schools. And this, this is a very sad comment. And it's, I think, because we're focusing much more on indoctrination than education in our school system. And I think Homer's comments are very well put to you that, uh, yes, it's all fine and good to watch all this sports activity, but we really need to focus on education. Thank you. The next speaker is Johnson Reynolds. Please unmute. Yes, uh, of course, I live in the canal. I'm not here right now. I'm in now with my sister, but the issue, I didn't go into the staff report about this property manager, the uh, a building uh, is up for sale or a residence is up for sale and you're gonna put, you're asking $500,000 to rehab the building and, and then sell it to somebody else. Is that right? I, I, I'm just not totally up to date on this. So I'm just wanting to know, is it gonna benefit low-income people, people in Marin City, uh, people of color. Uh, it, uh, the building will eventually go and be available for uh, affordable housing for people in Marin City or other people in the county that really need uh, affordable housing and uh, maybe vouchers to go along with that to uh, accommodate them to move into uh, housing. I know the uh, one place that was put in Marin City because it, it had no uh, uh, review because uh, it, 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 you know, was, uh, 
AB 58 or what, what, eight, I'm not sure, but I just wanna make sure that this project, this, this selling and reselling will benefit people that need it. Uh, Low-income people, people in Marin City, other people on the margins. Thank you. Representative Peters, there are no additional speakers in the queue. Okay, I'm gonna bring this back to our staff, but I, I will add my own thought that we probably need some stock language in these staff reports that explain what the BMRs are and answer some of the questions that routinely come up because I think even I lose track of this program. So we could just insert those in the future and then if you wanna answer the questions right now, that would be great. Yeah, that, that's a great great feedback. We'll include some more verbiage in our staff reports to that kind of give a little bit more context to what the below mar market rate program is. Um, to address the, the question, um, the public question, um, absolutely, yes, that's what this unit was built for. Um, it, it, it sold well below market rate, so we're purchasing this unit essentially to preserve its affordability, and then we conduct a lottery um, a lottery drawing with our lottery pool, which makes up low-income residents. This has a Marin City preference as well, so those who are in our lottery that have, um, that either live or work in Marin City, um, they'll be um, at the top of the lottery pool list, so they'll sort of have that priority um, offer to be able to purchase this unit. Um, and yes, and, and again, yes, it's, it's well below market rate, and um, we do have like down payment assistance and resources to help low-income folks afford this unit. So, so is it fair to say, Jeff, these are really revolving properties? They stay within the housing authority when they turn over? Yes, they're, they're deed restricted into perpetuity, which means forever. So these are meant to be affordable housing essentially forever. Great. And, and we have 327 of them currently. Great, one of those stock data points. Good, okay. President Mullen Peters. Yes, I please. I just had a follow-up question on this one. So remind me why we we always buy these in the interim as opposed to the estate just selling them if, if the deed restriction remains in perpetuity? Um, so most of the time these units need rehab, um, especially since we're entering this phase where a lot of the original owners are now um, aging out. So we've had um, just a string of these BMRs in the last year where either the owner passed away or had to move into an assisted care facility. Um, so um, in, in this case, um, what we wanna do is make sure we have time to communicate um, to the Marin City community that this unit's coming available. And so I wanted to offer a better chance to the community instead of getting it um, going directly to the lottery in the next month. Um, we wanted to give it an extra month so that we could do a little bit more outreach to the Marin City community and let them know that this is coming online and to join our lottery pool. Um, this is a unique case. Um, but yes, in, in, in prior cases, we, we, there wasn't necessarily a, um, a state or a trustee that could handle the rehab. So we stepped in place, did the rehab, and then um, got it ready for the lottery drawing and have resold that to reclaim all our funds. Gotcha. So it's really a case-by-case -case basis, and sometimes it makes sense for the previous homeowner to just sell it themselves. But in situations like this where we feel it's necessary to make uh, the the improvements necessary to keep the housing's you know stock well maintained. There's opportunities when we do step in, but it's not all the time. It's not all the time. All right, thank you. 
So I believe the uh, desired action is to uh, adopt a resolution. Oh, I'm sorry, Commissioner Campen. Um, so um, I actually asked this um, when we had our previous executive director and the person that previously had your position, but I'm wondering if this is something that you could uh, maybe work on and bring to the next meeting. Um, what I'd like to see is um, some kind of uh, chart on a lottery based on the low-income people in our county and who's who, how that how that how these properties are being distributed. Um, I've heard from people in Canal. I've heard from people in different areas that say, "Oh, we never get a chance at lottery because these people get it." So it'd be nice to have something that we could say, "No, these properties are being distributed this way." and they're being distributed equally among all low-income residents. Yeah. I, Am I making sense? You are, and I think <laughs> uh, the next item, actually, uh, Levin, you would like to speak to that. Yes. Two. Okay. Correct? Okay, yeah. super. Thanks. So we'll, we'll get bit right back to you, Commissioner Jansen. Okay, is there a motion to adopt resolution 0712023? A motion. Okay. Second. Okay, we have a motion, Jansen, a second. Second, all in favor? Aye. Great. Thank you. So this next um, this next item is informational only, and it, it really did it came derived to us from some of the questions we've been asked about the BMR program and the folks we're serving and how we're how we're reaching people and marketing the program. So Jeff team to create this, and so as a follow up to a question that we had um, a few months ago today. Yeah. Do we, there it is, okay. Um, so yes, yeah, so there has been interest in, just to your point, Sarah, uh, Commissioner Canson, um, that, um, so I'm, I've spent the last few months putting together some slides to kind of highlight the demographics, not only of the county, but our BMR portfolio, the actual owners, and then also the lottery pool, which I, I see as that's the direction we're headed, um, the, 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 short story is that we the portfolio already is more diverse than the county and that our lottery pool is much more diverse than the county and, and shows that we're headed in the right direction. Um, this first slide I put together a quick um, map just to give a high level overview of where the developments sit. Um, most of them uh, line the 101 corridor. Um, I color coded them based on the jurisdiction that they sit under. So the, the largest um, BMR stocks reside in San Rafael and the County of Marin. Um, those are the two largest jurisdictions. And um, currently we have 327 of them across seven jurisdictions in the county. Go to the next slide. So I put this to give all the data some context because context matters. Um, so I tried to use, so I used the five-year estimates from the 2021 American Community Survey census data for the County of Marin. Um, as you can see in the chart, 75% uh, of the county identifies as white. Um, and then we, you know, the numbers on the, on the left there sort of explain themselves. We have, you know, 8% that identifies two or more races, 8% um, that identifies some other race that wasn't listed on the census data um, and so on. Go ahead to the next slide. So this is the overview of how our BMR lottery pool looks currently. Now, again, this data is self-selected. So when they apply to the lottery pool, they have the um, option to self-select if they choose to do so. 
Um, I've separated the Hispanic or Latino data just to um, make it an apples to apples comparison with census data um, because that is a yes or no answer, not necessarily um, asked in the context of all other races um, or eth ethnic groups. Um, so on the top line, you'll see um, we had 116 applicants over this last year. Um, of those, um, there was about 19 or 16% that declined to provide any demographic data for us. 25% um, of our portfolio identifies as either two or more ethnic groups. Um, we had 20% identify as Asian, 6% as Black or African American as compared to 2% in the county and then um, only 23% identify solely as um, a white household as compared to the county's 75%. Um, so I would say this, this shows that we're um, headed in the right, right direction in terms of increasing the diversity of our VMR portfolio stock. And then the next slide. Um, so after our last meeting in March, um, I took the feedback from the Board of Commissioners and we sent out a survey and we encouraged people to participate. So this was sent out to all 327 um, current owners in the portfolio. We had to incentivize them with a, um, a Trader Joe's gift card to try and get our responses in. Um, we had a 40% response rate, which isn't bad. Um, so of the 131 respondents, um, you can see that our portfolio looks um, much more diverse than um, the county as a whole. And again, um, you know, the numbers sort of explain themselves. And then next slide, we included a little bit more uh, demographic information. Um, so of our entire portfolio, 60% say that they're a female head of household. Um, we have 27% that are single parents. 66% um, are seniors. This, this kind of highlights that many of our BMRs were built you know, 20, 30 years ago. And so those original owners are now um, entering their elder, their elder years. And, um, and so we might see a lot more BMRs transitioning over. And then 15% are uh, identified as having some form of a disability. And that's it. So, so here's, let me, allow me to say this. Mm -hmm. um, the first time home buyers program, I've, I've sat in on the last three. Okay. So in those programs, as you see from the demographics, black people are at the lowest part of the, this pool. And those are the complaints that I get more often than not. Now, I know that um, there may be, you know, some issues there with all the demographics because we're all low income. But at the same time, even though we're the lowest part of the denominator of this county, there should still be more black people. And I know that when I sit in on those first time home buyers programs, nothing is said. Um, I, I've waited for you a couple of times to say something about the Marin City uh, preference but I haven't heard you mention anything. And that might be something you include on your report. I appreciate you being there and sitting in on those uh, meetings because I think it's very important because you give information, but it may be something that you could say 
so that people that are sitting in on those programs that are hoping to buy a house know that there is a preference because I've, I've waited a couple of times. And I definitely think, and I'm just saying it on the record, I'm not accusing you. I think you're doing a great job trying to get it started, trying to get more black people uh, to uh, get into these programs, get their credit, especially with the programs you have down at the 100 lot. I think you guys are doing a great job trying to do the credit counseling. But I think we, there's something more that we could do to help more black people, especially in properties that are in Marin City. Um, it's a community that's steadily uh, uh, having issues um, with holding on to their presence in that community that was only uh, allotted to them at one point. So if we could do more to uh, maybe get the word out, especially when you're doing the credit counseling, especially when you're doing the first time home buyers program, that'd be awesome. But other than that, I think you're doing uh, whatever you can do. I appreciate it. Um, well, I, I, I really appreciate that feedback, Commissioner Kansen, um, and I, I wholeheartedly agree. I don't uh, mean to put these this data up there to kind of say that we've, we've won um, and declare victory. Absolutely, we have a lot of work to do still, and that has been a priority of mine. I know the, the largest concentration or the largest, um, the largest concentration of our BMR portfolio for the county actually is in Marin City. Um, we have somewhere close to about 60 units just in that Marin City area. Um, so absolutely, I would love to continue to, um, we've made efforts over the last year to try and get flyers out into the community, do some direct mailers. Um, I'm getting much more into posting on social media. Um, I know we had a newsletter for Golden Gate Village as well that we were posting links to. So definitely- connectors can go around and maybe that's there's- right classes i just think that yep. you guys are doing you're doing a great job jeff partnering with the first time home buyers program and, and the people there you're doing a great job doing that but i just think maybe there could be a little bit more emphasis on um the the marin city preference for people so that they know i'll make sure i'm i mention that more often absolutely thank you for that feedback other questions Yeah, Jeff, thank you so much for doing this. And there's more slicing and dicing that could probably be done. Um, my question is this more, and this you could bring back to us at a later date too, um, is a little bit better understanding of the inventory that we have and when we acquired it. And, and I'm making the assumption, but I could be wrong, that the reason we have a high proportion in Marin City is twofold. One, there was actually, I, I'm not sure when the genesis of this program was, I suspect it was in the 80s. Mm -hmm. And that was when a lot of that development happened. And if this was sort of inclusion, was inclusionary housing stock or what have you, it, it, we would have gotten it based on when development happened. There hasn't been a ton of development since, but I'd kind of like to understand that asset portfolio and then our projections going forward and then the degree to which Stop any of our units have been added through other means. I know it's a it's a smaller proportion, but I really would like to find a way for us to more aggressively add to this housing stock or get others to um, partner in, in adding to the housing stock. And I'm not sure what opportunities there are beyond when new development happens. But uh, frankly, it's it sounds like a lot of units, but not that many given the program's been in existence for 40 plus years. 
and it's a great program. It is. Well, I'm going to add on to your comments that almost would seem we've coordinated this because I was also going to ask about projections mm -hmm. in light of the multifamily housing that we hope will be built in Marin County. I think it might be worth working with Lily Thomas to get a sense of projections and what the opportunities are to acquire units uh, through the housing we expect to be uh, created and do a little forecasting that way. And as a follow-up to uh, Supervisor Rice's uh, prior thought, you know, if you did a bar chart by decade as to how many units were added over time, I think that would give us a sense of how we've added these units. And when the development spurs, I expect we would see quite a lot in the 70s and 80s, which was our last development kind of boom, mm -hmm. and then tapering off. Uh, but hopefully there'll be some more coming forward and we should be planning for these and how do we work together with the county to uh, make them happen. So, and then finally to um, Commissioner Tansen's um, comment, which I thought was very good about um, Marin City uh, participation in the BRMR project. You know, there's part of the story that isn't told about residents all over Marin who've been able to acquire homes uh, without a BMR program or, you know, right? And so there's sort of the rest of the story and it would be interesting to see if we can capture some of that too, uh, separately, different assignment. But I think that there's more good news out there. Yeah. So, yeah. Can I just make one comment? So I get about a phone call a week from people interested in new developments that are happening that are gonna have BMRs in them in Lucas Valley. Um, and so I'm wondering, when does that kind of flip to your radar that goes into your MHA program when this new development happens? Is it once construction's done and there's an occupancy, I don't know what the right term is, but um, permission to occupy, or are you involved in the process as it's getting through design review and planning and so forth? Yeah, yeah. So we work. Um, we we get involved in the very beginning um, when the developer starts planning. We we um, we actually en enter a contract between ourselves, the developer, and the jurisdiction that the development's happening in that um, outlines the the affordability restrictions, how many units, what size bedrooms, um, and so we work all that, negotiate that out at the very beginning. And then, of course, they develop it. And then at that point, we're involved in the lottery, selecting the buyers for those new units. Um, so that, so if that answers your question. Yes, and, then, you. um, and then um, this last year, we did have one new BMR. So to your point, it's not a huge, that's not, there's not a huge stock coming online very much. So we had one new BMR in, San, in the jurisdiction of San Rafael that came online that was sold to a low-income homeowner. Um, just this last year, late last year. And then um, and then about the database, which has been a focus of mine, we were very lucky to get a intern through a career point that's helping us um, essentially digitize all our files and, and kind of go through and make sure we understand the bedroom counts of all the units and, and really make sure that our files are, our database is very accurate to what's on in the papers and the contracts. And so um, getting a, a much more um, detailed database has been a, a focus of mine so that we have that that information at our fingertips and can do better forecasting. And does it, does MHA take over as BMRs whenever there's an inclusionary unit that's deed restricted in only unincorporated or is it the jurisdictions as well? So, so we have agreements with seven jurisdictions including the county um, 
So yes, whenever a BMR falls into any of those seven jurisdictions, that's when we're involved. Um, I, there's four other jurisdictions outside. I know the obviously the largest one being the, the city of Novato. Um, they have a, a sizable BMR stock as well that they manage themselves. Um, but yes. Thank you. And, and um, Commissioner Sackett, we do manage the many of the BMR rental units and the BMR ownership units, so both. Yeah. Good information. We're getting there. Great. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, and your, your last comment, Jeff, about uh, the data and digitizing, that, that's going to be a big help, too. So good, 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 good. Okay. Uh, I think I need uh, any public comment. I'm not seeing anyone in the chambers. Is there, I'm not seeing any hands raised online. Uh, okay, if not, then I would bring it back for a motion to accept the report. President Moulton Peters, we actually have someone online. Oh, we do. Okay, I'm sorry. Yes. Hand. Okay, please. Johnson Reynolds, please unmute. Yep. Yeah, I, I live in the canal. Uh, of course, Canal is mostly under the auspices of San Rafael, but you say that uh, when there are below market rate options um, across the county, but uh, in the various jurisdictions, you didn't have in the layout anybody from the Hispanic or Latino or Latinx community. Uh, maybe people in that area I can't afford to move into a purchase possibility of a house. That's possible, I don't know, but there should be some that should be included in the layout that you presented that uh, can purchase a below market rate unit and certainly a rental unit. Uh, they should be included and reach out to them to make that option for them as well as Hispanic, as well as Asian and black and Native Americans and others. Maybe you have in the other cat, the core category of others, we're talking about Hispanics. Maybe that's what you were talking about, but I want just some clarification on this. Uh, are, are Hispanics and Latinos able to purchase below market rate units and or certainly uh, rental units? Give me some clarification on that. Thank you. President Mullen Peters, there are no additional speakers in the queue. Okay. Uh, yes, Johnson, we can get you some clarification. There was data on the slides. Maybe we can uh, get a summary very quickly of that, your question. We can give you some information. Um, yes, but um, in particular, there were um, of our current BMR portfolio of the respondents of the survey, I should say 16% identified as Hispanic or Latino. So those are um, BMR homeowners that identify either as Hispanic or Latino um, of any race within that demographic. And then as far as uh, ownership or rental, do you have a breakdown on that? Um, we didn't survey the rental units. We just did the, these are all home ownership units. Um, there are 774 rental units under our, um, under our management. Well, those are, those are developments where the prop, we work with the property manager and the, the property management company um, provides a lot of the data and we certify it and review it. So, um, Great. but we didn't survey them. Well, maybe we can get that in the future, but it, it's a start for what we have. Is there a motion to accept and a second? I motion. Second. 
Okay, it's been moved, uh, second, seconded. All in favor to accept the report? Aye. Aye. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, item number 11E, the 12 HUD VASH vouchers from Mendocino CDC. Would you like to accept more vouchers? Yes, this is, um, so what we're asking, the recommendation is here that you um, approve a, adopt a resolution for, a, for the housing authority to accept these 12 HUD VASH vouchers that are being reallocated from Mendocino County. Um, this is, the, the, the way this works is um, HUD and the VA, the Veterans Administration, work together in, to decide if, unit, if vouchers aren't being utilized in one area to address homelessness as they're intended, they're being reallocated. So the HUD regulations require that we get a approval from, from the board to, uh, and adopt a resolution for us to accept these 12 vouchers. It is our, um, we only have right now 27 chronically homeless veterans living in Marin County. And that is a huge shout out to the whole coordination, coordinated team, coordinated entry team and all the homeless service providers who are working really diligently in this community. We were able to start getting VASH vouchers here in Marin County um, a number of years ago under Supervisor Susan Adams' leadership had directed us to do that. And we, we did, we reached out, we started getting those vouchers and we've been able to, we have, we're up to about 80, 80 VASH vouchers right now. So this will make it 92 vouchers for VASH. Um, and um, so we're, these vouchers will come with, uh, they'll come with the, the dollars for a case management. So through the VA, there'll be ongoing um, case management for, the, for these veterans as well. So our plan is to project base these vouchers at the Homeward Bound new project that is on, online to come in, come online in next year in 2024. So my hope is that you will adopt this resolution to accept these vouchers from Mendocino County. Good question. Oh, seems like a wonderful. So uh, earlier I was looking at um, the county, uh, the governor awarded the county some money for people to move out of the encampment. So will that um, Overlap, will you be able to help more veterans because you'll get some of that money? I'm sure there are some veterans that were in those encampments. So I'm hoping that these vouchers will help even more veterans because the county maybe will be able to use that money to help with to them. I, yes, I think what we are taking all our referrals through coordinated entry and a lot of those folks are coming through the encampments. And right now, like um, I, from the last count, we have 27 Chronic, chronically homeless. That means they've been homeless for over a year or have been had four episodes of homelessness over the last year. Um, that uh, So yes, if there's more veterans in that pool, they will, will certainly be forwarded to us and would they have a preference on our Section 8 wait list as well, just for our straight vouchers. I think that's one for veterans. Yeah, to help our veterans. Right. Thank you. Yeah, and I think just to even to add on a little bit to that, I think that between the housing authority, the coordinated entry team, the county and all the providers, depending on what vouchers they have in hand, because they're not all exactly the same, they're for housing, but often they're for specific groups like these VASH vouchers. Mm -hmm. So instead of needing to use a more general voucher um, to match up with a homeless veteran, we can use the, the, vet, the VASH voucher, which frees up the more general chronically homeless voucher for someone else. But there's right. a lot of work to make sure that 
these vouchers that come into the county and the resources that are available otherwise get applied as efficiently as possible. Um, and like I say, you know, not all colors of money are as, as flexible as others, but it's, it, um, a, you know, we really benefit from having close partnerships and a, a real tight working group in terms of housing and service providers here to really maximize what we're able to draw down and get as many folks served as possible and try not to du duplicate as well. Yes. And to just also to, to um, with the VASH vouchers, because they do have this service component that comes through the VA, as soon as a, a person no longer needs those services, we are able to move them over to the Section 8 program, which opens up another a voucher that for somebody who needs the services that is a veteran. So it's a, it's a great way of just continuing to, to serve veterans in our community. So I want to thank you, Kimberly, and I want to thank Supervisor Rice for help clarifying that for me and that. Yes. Um, I, I, I just would ask you a question quickly. How are you uh, reaching out to these homeless vets? I, I'm a recipient of a VAS voucher as a veteran. And I know that uh, at one time when the housing was holy, was actually doing this and they were in that 4020, a lot of the veterans, homeless veterans were getting their vouchers, but they weren't actively trying to seek a place because they were continuing wanting to camp out because they've been out there for a long time. So uh, it's a great because these are protected vouchers, but if a veterans, you, you're just getting, I think they really need to have someone from a mental health standpoint, working with those people and someone tracking to make sure that they're actually trying to get housed because giving a voucher to a homeless vet that probably has some underlying mental health issues and has been out there for a while, it's easy for them to get frustrated and just carry it around in their backpack, you know, uh, part of this stuff and it gets, it might get lost or anywhere. So they're gonna need something like shelter plus care, some, some case manager, someone who's dedicated to tracking them to see if they're actively looking for housing. Mm -hmm. Good point, Commissioner Hall. Um, Suzanne Joyce works really closely with all of the, the case managers in the county that are working through coordinated entry and all the service providers. And they meet, I think it's twice a month uh, to talk about where is somebody at with their voucher? How, you know, are they, they're not making any movement. Let's, who needs to help them? So it's there, there's a real robust team that's circ, that's really surrounding all of the folks who are being referred to any of these vouchers, which is very different than it was years ago. We, we are a really um, close team that meets regularly to really follow people and what their needs are. There is case management services. There's housing navigation and landlord partnership services that can really help make uh, a lot of these moves easier for veterans. And then the VA is providing these uh, um, supportive, uh, permanent supportive housing as well to these folks. So anyone getting a VASH voucher. And in these cases, they will be um, with in a project in Novato with Homeward Bound where the VA is, is actually housed up there at Homeward Bound, the, the, the Veteran Administration Case Management Services which will be helpful too. So good discussion, everyone, and really great to hear all of the, what's behind the scenes on a lot of the action taken. So I would love to have a motion to adopt a resolution. I'll move um, accept 
acceptance and reallocation of the 12 HUD BASH vouchers from Mendocino. I second. Second. Okay, I think we had a motion by Rice, a second by Canton. And all in favor? Aye. Aye. Very good. So last, almost last item, <laughs> uh, request for the executive director to ratify housing and urban development HUD grant awards. Oh good, grants. This is a, this is our our um, renewal grant for the shelter plus care program, and I had uh, a, a Dr. Aaron Testa come a few months ago to to share with you about that program and all the great work that that is happening in our community to help serve chronically homeless individuals with um, who are diagnosed with a severe mental illness. So we are able to house um, close to a hundred individuals through this program through HUD, and we are, it partners with some funds from the county that are able to provide us money for the ongoing case management services that we have. And so this is really representing three different grants through HUD and it's a little over $2 million to provide this ongoing rental assistance. So it really, it acts as a section eight voucher, although it is called a shelter plus care HUD voucher in the community. And this, these programs do come with ongoing permanent supportive housing. We've been doing this program for over 30 years this letter says 20, but it's been over 30 years that we've been um, providing this permanent housing services to people who are chronically homeless. And all our referrals, again, are, are provided to us through the coordinated entry. So people are utilizing a um, vulnerability index score that are being referred to us, and then our staff takes it from there to get them housed and help maintain housing. there any questions on this item? I'm not seeing any. I don't see any public in the chambers, any public comment online. Yes, Johnson Reynolds, please unmute. Yeah, I, I, this was regarding the Section 8 project basis in Novato. That's what you're saying. Okay, that's fine for veterans. That's great. I, I appreciate that. But of, of course, we need to have Section 8 for all people that are going to be in uh, uh, permanent supportive housing as well as other situations that uh, come up. Uh, and uh, I guess HUD is going to help us with regard to those. I think do you have adequate uh, individual uh, uh, Section 8 vouchers as well as for the homeless and others and or uh, for veterans? Uh, you know, not only veterans, but other people as well to in supportive housing as well as other options. Hopefully that's that's coming forth. I appreciate that. Thank you. Okay, thank you. The next speaker is, I'm sorry. No, please go ahead. The next speaker is Clayton Smith. Please unmute. Looking at this item uh, on your uh, website and looking at the information available, it looks like, from what I can glean, uh, five of the $2 million, about 550000 is actually going into uh, direct uh, rental assistance. And um, the remaining 70% plus of the money is going into administration. And there's not much of a actual budget uh, on this um, allocation of money on your website. I note that you have six people that are employed in it, serving 90 people. And uh, somehow or another, 
um, I'm looking at this and I think that the, uh, the amount, the percentage of the amount of this grant uh, that is going to administration seems to be um, a little on the large side relative to the actual amount of assistance being given, which uh, appears to not be uncommon amongst these grants. And it's a, a matter of concern for me. So I would like to see if someone, uh, particularly the person that's uh, in your chambers right now, might be able to flesh out exactly how this uh, $2 million is now being spent in the county. A little more detailed uh, statement of what's available on your, um, your agenda program today. Thank you. President Mullen-Peters, there are no additional speakers in the queue. Okay, thank you for, to our commenters. We'll bring it back now. Is there any further discussion or is there a motion to uh, accept the, the grant funds? Um, as the last commenter asked, maybe uh, in the future, I'm sure Commissioners Bolton-Peters, uh, Supervisor Bolton-Peters, Supervisor Rice um, had asked on other things. Maybe we could just flesh it out a little bit more and show for a future meeting. Um, if you'd like to provide some additional info right now, Kimberly, that's fine. Thank you, Commissioner Cancer. Thank you. Yes, I would. In the um, and I, I want to make sure that the caller understands that too. In the document, there is a the grant agreements should be attached to your, and in that it really shows what the rental assistance is and the administrative dollars. The administrative dollars for this grant are very small. We get about seventy thousand dollars out of the two two million plus for um, to administer the grant. the 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 way we pay for the the, the case management and all the services is through a partnership with Health and Human Services, Behavioral Health and Recovery Services at the county that um, provides us a grant that provides for all the staffing. And unfortunately, HUD's programs, um, these, these rental programs give us only a little bit to actually administer the, the grant writing and the reporting and not the actual services that are needed to keep people housed and help people find housing and things like that. So it's a it's a very small percentage of the two million. It's a it's a little it's right around seventy thousand dollars, and it is there is the grant agreement. So I hope that answered any questions yes. that the commenter had. And uh, as always, we appreciate your yes. Second. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Motion by Canson. Second by Luca. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay, very good. Uh, item 11G, report on public housing assessment score for 2022. Okay, and this is an informational only um, item as well. I wanted to bring this to you as the board. And I also wanna make sure you all know that I have my staff here who's worked really hard. So we are, this, um, this is our, uh, HUD gives all housing authorities who have public housing. Now, not all housing authorities have public housing. Um, and an assessment of their public housing. And there's a, a number of factors. They look at the physical property, they look at the financial, the management, and then the capital projects at the property. And then they give you a, a designation of a, of a, 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 um, a designation. And um, our designation for Marin is substandard for the 2022 fiscal year. 
and this this actually this project is um, you know no HUD isn't surprised we aren't surprised um, you are the board I'm sure are not surprised we've done a heavy lift of really moving people from one unit to another and transferring families over the last year and um, which has which is what has pulled the score down is that we've had a, a lot of, of occupancy I'm sorry a lot of vacancy over the last few the year or so and we also are having a lot of tenants accounts receivable unpaid rent due to the more covid and the moratorium that was going on so our plan to move forward is we are you know we are now going to be pulling people from our waitlist as you know we've just opened the waitlist this year we're so it's a fresh waitlist we're, we're pulling people for the two three and four bedroom units to fill units um, in golden gate village we are also getting working with our families to do tenants accounts receivable and to put people on repayment agreements and have them work to, with other providers to help pay back late rent. And so this is a really group effort. The whole team is working really hard to turn units quickly to get people leased up. Next week, we're doing an intensive um, workshop with families that we've called in to, to do um, intake and that we'll hopefully be able to move quite a few families in by September 30th. And then by the end of the year, we hope to be at more of a 4% vacancy rate, which is industry standard. And um, we, and, and again, I wanted HUD is in partnership with us knowing that this is exactly where we had, we were planning to go because of all the work we were doing to address the overhousing that was needed also in, as we move forward into our rehab and repositioning. So again, just information I wanted you to know, um, and we will be working on a um, on updating our corrective action plan with HUD to fill in the gaps here and to talk about what we're doing. It sounds like um, there are reasons behind this and they're solvable. Uh, so it's a matter of just implementing, but uh, I'm not concerned by what I hear today, but based on what you said. Yeah. Are there any questions, comments? I'm not seeing any. Yes, please, Sarah. So I just had an idea, um, and it may be something that we have to work out with the resident council, but as you know, um, your staff gets a lot of complaints from people that say, oh, well, they never contacted me, or I didn't get it. And I know that your staff does a good job of saying, look, if you move, you need to let us know. If we call you, you have to respond. And I, I've heard a lot of people say, well, I'm on Miss Royce's list or the resident council list. And I think people really, I don't know how many residents or prospective residents watch this, but I think that people need to understand that you have to have a dedicated address. You have to make sure that if your address changes, you let housing know. It is not anyone's responsibility to follow up on what you're trying to do. It has to go straight from you to Marin Housing Authority, specifically the 429 Drake office. But I did have an idea that perhaps maybe in a hundred lot, um, I know when you have welfare, if you don't have an address, sometimes they, they'll take mail for you or you can check your mail maybe once a week. Maybe there can be something like that for people that are saying that they're homeless or living out of the car or don't have an address that they can uh, use that they trust. So maybe they can have, you can have something like that, that maybe you have a dedicated mailbox for people that uh, may not have a place to send their mail. So that they feel like, okay, I'm included and I can get on that list. And then they, but they have, a, they have to check that mailbox every month. If you miss the month, you know, something like that, something maybe we could do in the future, because I, I think it, it's not on you guys. If somebody changes their address and 
they fail to recertify or they fail to hand the documents. But maybe that's something we can do to help them out. Okay, thank you. Yes, Just we can look into that. <laughs> yeah. Good, I think that brings us to the end of the meeting. We've got one last public comment session. Uh, is there anyone in the chambers who would like to address the board on something not on today's agenda? Very good, please come up and then we'll go online. The first speaker is Clayton Smith, please unmute. I wanted to say, I wanted to uh, go back. I reviewed the agreements in your staff report on item 11F and I can only see $550,000 worth of money allocated to actual rental assistance. And now you said you have $70,000. Uh, that leaves about a million four unaccounted for. Uh, it does, is that money essentially set aside for the uh, compensation packages for the six people who are associated with administrating this program? That is my essential question with regard to the item of that $2 million uh, in the grant. And as I said, I've looked at your material you've presented and the budget for that expenditure of that money is not there. The, the agreements are there, that is your attachments, but the budget is not there. And I would really like to know what that actual budget is broken down by administrative versus direct assistance uh, to the beneficiaries of the program. Thank you. President Mullen Peters, there are no additional speakers in the queue. Yeah, okay. Mr. Smith, we'll, we'll uh, have the executive director follow up with you uh, directly. Yes. Hi. Good morning at the podium or good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jerry Kunin a grateful recipient of a Section 8, Section 8 voucher many several years back, a former resident in public housing for many, many years, and representative with our state parks way back. So thank you all for what you're doing. I do wanna say I see a difference when I come to a meeting for the Housing Authority. I see more involvement. I see each of my supervisors asking questions, being more involved. I'm really struck and grateful to hear this. Um, and I also wanted to take a minute um, as kind of a public voice on our Marin Commission of Aging um, to share an email that I received from Diana Lopez, who's our legislative representative and is also with Ms. Sackett's um, district. So, um, and hopes that it may help help with funding, help with creating more community involvement. There is a bill, AB 440, um, which is a regional housing finance authority. And I wanna share very quickly an email that I received from Diana Lopez, who wasn't able to be here today. Um, I think Mr. Hall can share more about it later and perhaps Kimberly, but um, if you let me take a second, I'd like to do this. Commissioner and community members of the Legislative Advocacy and Housing and Transformation, Housing and Transportation Committees, AB 440, is a piece of legislation that is moving forward and would allow two or more local governments to create a housing finance authority that may be a way to create local funding for affordable housing and preserve housing for low-income homeowners. 
Many thanks also to Luke Barnsmore for bringing this important bill to our attention. Let me know if this is a bill that our committees feel is important to support, and if so, in what manner? Can we also find a way as a community and as a housing authority to hopefully take a look at this? Um, AB 4040 has been presented by um, Nancy Skinner, and it, one of the wonderful things is that this bill, the Regional Housing Finance Act, would authorize two or more local governments as defined to establish a regional housing finance authority to raise, administer, and allocate funding for affordable housing Thank you. in the jurisdiction of the authority. If y'all would take a look at this, thank, thank you. you so much. Appreciate your time. Thanks. Can I ask one more question? Uh, hold on. We're going to close public comment. And uh, I am going to bring it back for a moment. Supervisor Sackler, did you want to comment on the Bay Area Housing Financing Authority at all? We're familiar with this bill, Gary, and it's very much in our, on our radar screen. Yeah, great. Yes. I just want to ask, um, I had, uh, real quickly, I had an email, a couple of emails about um, the facelifts for the new vacant units. Are you guys still doing those, the upgrading? We are not doing facelifts um, to the units right now. We were able to, um, we're doing routine turns for units. When we were trying to do a lot of transferring of folks that lived in the property, we wanted to really upgrade the units as much as we can prior to the um, full revitalization. But we are getting closer to revitalization for one. And the second thing is we've just really um, financially, we, we've really got to really focus on just getting the units turned and people housed. So that's where we're, we're focused right now. You are painting and doing general cleaning. Absolutely, painting and you know if the floor flooring needs to be redone, okay. um, we are doing that. But we're just not able to continue to do the level of upgrades that we were doing there last year. And we've done about 50 units, um, Dante and his team. So it is we it's a heavy lift. We did a lot of them and we've moved and transferred a lot of people to these units. And now we're going to um, just start renovating. I mean, um, sorry. We're, we're doing a regular turn and then hopefully the renovation will start here in the near term. And um, I think we spoke about it and I just want you to say it on record about how you've had, um, you, you've got block captains and you've got people making sure that it stays clean. Um, I know that you guys had some issues with plumbing because people were using wipes and stuff like that, saying how that you now have got block captains, you've got laundry room attendants that are working toward keeping it clean, maintenance staff. So I just wanted you to say that on record. Well, a contract with the resident council is still in works, but that is going to be happening. We'll have block captains in eight blocks in the in the in the Golden Gate Village, laundry monitors there as well. But that is something we are working with the resident council on to do a a, a resident um, contract. Okay. Yeah. And I would like to comment briefly. At, okay. Uh, first of all, I. I I did have a wonderful meeting with Ms. Lopez this morning. Uh, we met and I didn't get a chance to read through the document that was sent to me because it's being sent to the Housing Authority email, which I don't use. So I'm, a lot of information that's being sent to me because a lot of people call me and says, hey, I sent you this and I'm not getting it. And it's probably because the email hasn't been updated. I'm using my personal email. And so the site has the housing authority email. So a lot of stuff probably that was really important and I apologize to people sending me emails, but I'm not getting it on that site. But also 
briefly, I would like to thank Kimberly and Supervisor Peters for this new attitude with the Golden Gate Village and the communication lines that seems to have been open between the residence council and just the tenants in general. And Kimberly's kind of famous because now people see her and they're waving to her and calling her name and she's uh, so accessible, you know, that's one of those things that they that they haven't had for a while, you know? And so I would just like to thank the staff and welcome our new asset manager. And hopefully, and I'm gonna say this, and I say this, that some way that there's a little more uh, securing our confidentiality about stuff that goes on you know, we've had some leaks and breaches, you know, and I say this because I myself been a victim of it, you know, and so I hopefully this thing will be closed. This will not be happening. And so I just want to thank everybody for it. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, very good. And on that note, we are adjourned. Thank you, everyone. Right. See you next month next month.